0: Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah yeah. Pump fake right, then I step back in I lose you That's a boss move, maneuver, billionaire, entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer. put you rookies on a skewer I say shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer
1: Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me, I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mass Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaron,
0: Also my friend. I was going to say friend. Oh, you're going to say friend. Well, I guess we're friends, but... Yes. With that being said, what is up, guys? We are here today for an exciting
1: episode for what seems like the first time in quite some time when we've just had to self-create content and the like. But today, on this Tuesday, September 27th, Early in the morning as we we're recording this podcast, we'll be covering Mavericks Media Day, which for those of you listening on this Tuesday morning, was yesterday. And we're going to be going through quotes from Jason Kidd, Reggie Bullock, Luka Doncic, Maxi Kleber, Christian Wood, Javille McGee, Tim Hardaway Jr., my uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't think I'm forgetting anybody. Um, that's who all spoke at the podium today. It was um, broadcasted live on Mavs.com. Obviously, um, certain beat reporters and you know podcasts like Locked on Mavs had some other individual interviews with players that we will be covering um, and um, some future podcast. But we just wanted to hash out the main segments of everything that was said at the Mavericks podium today that was um, broadcasted uh, live on Mavericks.com. So we're going to be talking all about that, what we think about certain quotes, what we wish was asked, uh, that potentially wasn't asked, um, some answers that we had to some questions, you know, particularly some that we actually posted on Twitter. We're going to be getting we're going to be getting all into that. My speech is a little blurry here to start the podcast. I apologize. Um, It's just, you know, a facade to contain the excitement. I I can't hold it in. I'm I'm just out here blabbering and stuff
0: so giddy we're just so giddy
1: yes we're we're josh giddy
0: i I actually am really excited though. like that i I will admit like after i I know we haven't even gotten to the ad yet but i I will i will admit like after really taking in and listening to some outside um outside sources and uh i guess other people's thoughts and actually really listening to myself and actually like consuming it uh i i will admit like i'm actually kind of excited i'm I think this roster is. I, I'm actually excited for it. Uh, you know, there's still some holes. In the <laughs> I, I think
1: I, this I, roster I, is blank.
0: It, it it's blank. You, you know, you can't really. Is it a championship of a roster? I think everybody who who is uh, who was there on media day definitely thinks so. I don't know how. Um, you know, that's just players being players, but. I mean, I I thought you were talking about the media and I was like, Whoa, Whoa. (laughs) I don't know about that. No, I mean, everybody. Um, I I, I seriously think besides, besides the San Antonio Spurs and Greg Popovich, I think every team thinks as they thinks that they can win a championship uh, at this point in the season. So I'm not, taking. I think
1: it's a, you know, obviously every team's going to be excited and extremely optimistic about their season at this point. Well, except for the Suns, of course, as well. They had a, Oh, that was somber, <laughs> very somber media day.
0: That was but, fun. Again.
1: Um I mean, I'm you know, ready and anxious to go ahead and get into this podcast. This is what we've been waiting for. The uh the precipice, the genesis rather the of the, start NBA season the beginning. is upon us, and we're gonna be dis- dissecting all of Mavs Media. Uh Mavs Media Day. Over here at mainstream Mavs. But before we do that, here is an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, Jaron. So getting into it, we actually forgot to mention this in the intro, but I guess a little news drop today um, to an extent. Sham Sharania, I don't know if he actually reported this or if it was on one of his like talk shows or podcasts or whatever, but he came out and basically said that um, among the four teams interested in Jay Crowder, um, basically the uh, four teams are the Dallas Mavericks. The Boston Celtics, the Miami Heat, and the Memphis Grizzlies. As Jay Crowder, um, for those of you who don't know, has recently requested a trade from the Phoenix Suns. Um, you know, he wears number 99, 99 problems, but being in Phoenix does not he does not want one of those to be the uh yeah, he does not want one of his problems to be in Phoenix. So Jaron, uh, this happened a little later in the evening, you know, well after yeah media day events has kind of transpired. Um, What was your reaction to it at face value? And, you know, what do you want to warn Mavs fans? You know, is this something that we should be, you know, getting pumped up about or, you know, would it be a a harsh reaction to that?
0: Yeah, no, uh, at face value, whenever I saw that he had requested a trade, it was kind of like, I mean, the Mavericks could pounce on it. You know, it would be cool if they did, but knowing the Dallas Mavericks and what we've kind of reiterated this offseason, or like I guess what we've kind of confirmed this offseason is that this team pretty much what it looks like now is what we're going to be going into the season with. So initially my hopes weren't really high, uh, and then that report came out by Shams or per Shams, I guess. Um, uh, Basically the Mavericks were included in one of those four teams. And, you know, I hate to do this because it happens every time some big name, minus Kyrie, some big name gets mentioned and the Mavericks are in those talks. You know, you you have to get your hopes up. And it seems like anytime that happens, we're some way disappointed. So, you know, I'm trying to keep, um, I guess, my optimism low. But then again, you know, uh, you have to look at the what-if scenarios. You know, what if what if Curry brought on this team? Uh, what what is the likely trade scenario? And it would be kind of ironic to say Dwight Powell gets traded for Jay Crowder straight up because if you go back, I think it was twenty fourteen. Um, Dwight Powell was actually included in that Jay Crowder. Oh, that's a
1: that's up. a good point. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, um, you know, there's some there's some history between those two, uh, just in terms of trades. And so if if that were, I think that's like the most likely uh trade scenario if it's from happening.
1: the salary matching perspective
0: yeah from a yeah, yeah. and it i definitely. guess just a bit for phoenix um but you know i'm trying not to get my hopes up for those math fans that are getting their hopes up hopes up you know good for you find optimism and everything um again I, i'm trying to keep it at a low uh but also being aware that you know i mean maybe the Mavericks like really are engaged in trade talks and you know what it would do for this team. uh, There's, I mean, there's like two holes in this team and one of those being wing depth. And so I don't think Jay Crowder would start by any means. And that's one of the things that he kind of needed or wanted uh, was a starting role. And I don't, I don't see that in Dallas, um, but he'd still have a huge role uh, and he'd play honestly major minutes off the bench.
1: Most definitely. Um, another thing that I want to get into regarding that is just the fact that I think, in terms of players that you could match straight up salary-wise for Jay Crowder, if you're just doing a one-for-one one deal, which seems most likely in this scenario, I guess. Um, you know, I don't know if the Mavericks would throw in a second-round pick or how that would work depending on the player. But uh, three names come to mind who would work salary matching-wise off the top of my head. And um, that would be Maxi, uh, Dwight, and Reggie. And I don't see any world in where the Mavericks give up Reggie or Maxi. Um, obviously, Jay Crowder is a really good three and D wing. You know, maybe streaky, albeit from yeah, uh, from three at times, but he's still a really good three and D wing. Really good defender. He, he's a seamless fit on any contending team. There's no refuting that. It's just a matter of the fact that his asking, I mean, his value um has seemed to definitely tank tank a little bit uh you know amidst his trade request when a guy requests a trade you know that automatically is going to decrease his value because you know that shows a desperation for that team to have to find a, a new place for him so that's automatically you know by virtue of that going to decrease his value a little bit you know that coupled with you know maybe not the best playoff stretch from him you know comparable yeah. to his last two with the heat and the um, Suns the year before that I you know rolls his value down a little bit. And on top of all that, um, just the fact that, you know, the NBA trade va- uh, market right now is like sort of skewed because, you know, this is right before training camp. GMs have their roster set. A lot of, you know, people are really hard pressed to make deals right now. They're not just going to make deals to make deals. You know, it's got to be, a really feasible package, and you know, I think the only and you know most likely scenario in which the Mavericks could get Jay Crowder, and the one I'd be most comfortable with, was if they were able to ship off Dwight Powell. You know, the Mavericks do have a surplus of bigs. We talked about this multiple times. Maybe like Dwight Powell in a second for Jay Crowder. Um, you know, the Suns are a little thin on centers. You know, upon looking at the roster, they really only have uh two true big men to extent, You know, from the perspective of you know, guys that can play the five, you know, if you want to throw Dario Saric in there, um, you can, but, you know, I think he's more of a stretch four, but, you know, he doesn't even really provide any sort of defensive or, you know, rebounding ability. So, I mean, I wouldn't even consider Dario Saric a five by any stretch of the ma- imagination. Um, they really just have Biombo and um, DeAndre Ayton, obviously, who, you know, seems a, uh, Disgruntled, to say the least, to be back in Phoenix. To say the least. (laughs) Yes. Um, So it would be a really interesting um, swap, as you said, if it was to be Dwight Powell for Jay Crowder. But, you know, the Suns need a little um, depth at the big man position, given that um, JaVale McGee obviously left for the Mavericks. So I think it would be a, you know, that specific trade would be a very seamless and really great fit. You know, there's obviously just questions that arise from that. You know, uh, would Jay Crowder be willing to accept an off-the-bench role in Dallas? Um, You know, could he overthrow Reggie Bullock at some point for the starting spot? If, you know, given consistent play, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't assume so, but that'd be interesting to see if that were to happen. But, you know, maybe the Suns can get a better package from those other three teams or somebody else. I know you mentioned Grant Williams, Um, you know, obviously as a younger big. Um, a little more switchability there. Definitely a way better defensive uh, player than Dwight. You know, as a guy who can kind of guard three through five. You know, shown a lot of different flashes. If the uh, the Celtics were looking to bolster their, their wing depth a little bit. But, you know, there's, a, you know, even just between these four teams that it seems are in discussions for Jay Crowder, you know, Per Sharania, or, you know, likely suitors, whatever you want to call it. Um, there's a plethora of trades, you know, those four teams can pull off, and I'm not saying by any means that the Mavericks have the best package or the, you know, most applicable for what the Suns would want, or that this is going to happen. I, I'm not, I'm trying my best to not get my hopes up about this whatsoever. But, you know, if the aforementioned White Pal for Jay Crowder, maybe a second, um, in tandem with the White Pal swap ends up coming into fruition, you know, I'd be ecstatic to say the least. But that's not to say that we should get our hopes up whatsoever, but, you know, given more mass fans, of course we had to be mentioned within the suitors, you know, it comes it's natural, just, it comes natural, but, you know, Mavericks seem to always make trades when they're not mentioned, you know, in both of the That's Porzingis true. instances for, uh, for my, both times KP was traded and traded from the Mavericks. They were just, you know, notifications popped up out of nowhere. There was no sort of, um, like evidence beforehand from any sort of report that, you know, he may get shipped to the Mavericks or may get shipped out any of that. So um, it'd be really interesting to see how, you know, if the Mavericks actually pulled off a trade where they didn't have the, um, like there was no, you know, just shot out of the dark report. You know, there is actually some prior reporting beforehand. So that'd be really cool to see, but, you know, we'll, we'll cover that later. That's not something that you know is at the top of our concerns today, given it was Media Day. So, getting into Media Day, um, you know, in terms of the sequential events that happened, um, in terms of guys speaking at the podium, we had Jason Kidd speaking first, then Luca, then Spencer Dinwiddie, or no, I think Tim Hardaway. Did Tim Hardaway go before Spencer?
0: Uh, no, he was after. He was after. Okay, yeah, so second or
1: something. So Spencer Dinwiddie, Tim Hardaway Jr. Then, um, Dorian Finney Smith, then Reggie Bullock. I could be misconstruing a couple of these or flip flopping and whatever. Um, then Maxi, I believe, and then, um, Javel and Christian Wood. So, getting into Jason Kidd, um, these are the only seven people or, um, eight people, whatever, that actually spoke, you know, for Mavs.com, you know, for the official like press conference type stuff. But there's obviously loads of other stuff to come from media day, you know, from Locked on Mavs interviews with players. Um, I know Brad Townsend talked with Theo Pinson a little bit, so we'll get into that in a later pod, but we just want to focus solely on this. So what was your main takeaways from uh, Jason Kidd's um, media session?
0: Yeah, uh, there, there was a few main takeaways. I think one that the – I guess the national media is grabbing is this uh, – Christian Wood coming off the bench, you know, just from a national fan perspective, nobody seems to be a fan of it. I don't think anybody knows or like I mean of course nobody really knows um what kind of went through that process. You know, we've as Mavs fans or I guess people who've like actually paid attention, you know, we've known this since July. Um I think I think Summer League was in July. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we've known this since July or at least the writing on, the writing on the wall has been since July. And th- today it was basically 100% confirmed. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like the national media kind of running away with that narrative. Uh, you know, the ball handler situation was brought up and kind of answered in a weird way almost. Uh, I, I respect the fact that, you know, it's not just going to be Frank bringing up the ball. You know, we're going to have guys. Uh, we might see Christian Wood, Dorian. Um, there was no mention of Reggie. Uh, and, and this one, <laughs> this one, uh, I think we can create a meme out of, uh, Jason Kidd said Maxie would bring up the ball. I don't, I don't know how I feel he about did. that one.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like he threw out a list of guys that, you know, of course, of course you want Christian or Josh uh, Green too. Of course. Oh, Josh Green. Yeah. Yeah. No, Josh Green. He's like out of minus Frank Nealichino. I, I actually am probably the most comfortable with him bringing up the ball. Um, yeah, I forgot about Josh, but uh, you know, outside of Luca and Spencer, you know, you're gonna have that awkward ten minutes of floor time where you're not gonna have those two guys. So who's gonna bring up the ball? I think that's a big question. Uh, I don't think it was quite answered. I th- I really don't think we'll know the answer uh, for a while, probably not even start of the season. Um, but yeah, I mean that was kind of answered. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else he kind of talked about.
1: Um, I was going through here,
0: yeah. Uh, I feel like you know, Christian would, of course. Um, um, what did you
1: feel like? You know, obviously, Jason Kidd, you know, reiterated defense that's, yeah. you know, a centripetal theme of his coaching, per usual. Um, he didn't really get into rotation stuff too much, no, it just know,
0: fluidity, like,
1: yeah, he get, he kept a pretty base value besides you know, those, you know, ball Handler quotes and the Christian Wood quotes, which, you know, I really want to take a little bit of a dive in here. So, you know, as you said, obviously the national media is taken aback by Christian Wood, but we've known this since July for those of you who've been listening to us and, you know, just keeping with the Mavs in general, I'm sure you know. Um, but yeah, um, what, one thing I found interesting about the ball Handler situation, he did not say anything about Jaden Hardy. Um,
0: and I, you know, long. there's, Uh, to that, like, I just think that there's guys that are going to play more. You know, Hardy's a guy that you don't know if he's going to crack rotational minutes. You know, I'd like to see it because I really think that he could really be that for sure third ball handler or I guess third or fourth. Um, But, yeah, I mean, like, there's really no question or no answer as to like rotation and stuff like that. So that's why I'm not too given
1: given time, of course, like, yeah, not right off the bat. No, but, you know, it does seem like the Mavericks barring some sort of in-season move or before the season starts here are committed to the ball hand or by committee pro, uh, approach, you know, barring yes. Spencer and Luca, obviously. Um, and given the uh, construction of this roster, um, you know, you can't really blame J. Kid for that. That's not, you know, he may have some influence over what happens in free agency and the off season and all that. But at the end of the day, his task is to put the best product on the floor with the roster he's given. And you know, is it ideal to, you know, you know, bringing the ball up is a very like subjective term, um, you know, that could just maybe be like dribbling it up the floor, but you know, I guess where I get alarmed, you know, I can see Dorian, you know, maybe faking some dribble handoffs, straight line drives to the rim, things of that nature, but you know, when I when I hear something of, you know, the elk of Maxi bringing the ball up the floor. Um, you know, obviously that's going to catch my eye a little bit there. Um, so, I, you know, I can't really blame him on any of these answers. Obviously, like, this is what the Mavericks have to do. Um, could one of those guys above the rest, such as a Frank Nilikina or Josh Green, step into that ball handle role? Most definitely. Is it likely? Probably not. But we'll have to see how that ends up being. You know, I'd hope Frank and Josh, you know, within that second unit, uh, burden most of the uh, ball handling duties because, you know, well, you know, but by all um measures, um they're definitely not the, you know, ideal, you know, sort of guys that you would want bringing up as your third ball handler, like bringing up the ball, initiating offense, um trying to get things going and, you know, get guys in the right spots and, you know, getting to the rim. Those are not the guys, you know, ideally on an NBA team that you would want, you know, even in that, you know, second unit off the bench doing that, but it's what the the hand the Mavericks are dealt. And, you know, this committee approach, they really have no choice but to do it. So, you know, I, I really don't have an issue with it from that standpoint. Do I have an issue with how the roster is constructed? Most certainly, but from the issue of their approach, given the roster's construction, you know, I can't say that I have any gripes with it.
0: No, I agree, I agree.
1: Yeah, so um, did you take away anything else from uh, Jason Kidd's interview? You know, obviously the Christian Wood thing, you know, we've known about this. Um, You know, Jason Kidd did um, stress flexibility, like you said. Um, He didn't really, you know, say anything regarding if this is something that's going to change. You know, he did stress that there may be certain matchups where Christian Wood have to start. He did say um, something of that vein. But, you know, could Christian Wood still be able to seize a starting spot, given you know the his um nature of how he plays, just particularly on defense, you know, um, we'll get into he he actually was working really hard with Sean Sweeney um this off season um on just on his defensive game. He's been in Dallas the last three months, which I found really cool um but yeah, I mean, maybe that could be a thing, but we don't really know what Christian Wood's gonna be on defense, so. You know, you can nitpick here and there. Um, Obviously, like certain fans and, you know, even myself included at the start when I first heard that news back in July, you know, I was not the happiest camper with Christian Wood not starting. But, you know, I, you know, think it's a situation where, in my opinion, I think he has to be able to earn the minutes uh, and earn the right to start, you know, given his defensive play. And if he's doing that and still not starting, you know, that's when I'll raise some eyebrows and that's when I might start to become alarmed. Um, but just given the uh, stay, of the nature of him not starting at the beginning of the season, I, I don't really have an issue with it.
0: Yeah, um, you know, like I guess to just go back um, to kind of like this third a question, you know, it, it, nothing Jason Kidd said, I just wish it was a question that was asked. Oftentimes last year, especially, well, I guess really only post KP trade um, in this final like lineup, uh, this late fourth quarter lineup, we'd see a three guard lineup. You know, JB would be playing Spencer and Luca. They'd all be on the court at the same time. We're clearly not going to have that this year. And I was wondering, um, or I guess not wondering, but I, I was hoping someone would ask, you know, along the lines of is Frank going to be expected to be in that role? Uh, And I'm not saying, I don't think that that's the case, but you know, is it, are we expecting like a third esque ball handler to be, if need to be, to be in that like clutch late fourth quarter minutes? uh, Or are we going to stick with kind of the starting unit, maybe minus JaVale and sub in Christian Wood? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Well,
1: I mean, I guess it depends on how everybody's playing because you know, the good thing about Frank and Josh Green is they can both project as wings as well. Um, and that's obviously where I would think we'd both agree they'd probably play most comfortably. So, you know, if they're, you know, one of those guys really hot from 3 or having a really good defensive game, then, yeah, like keep them in there, playing with those other two guys. But um, kind of a, interestingly enough, you know, the metrics on that three-ball handler uh, lineup that the Mavericks had last year were actually not the best. I can't remember what particular stat it was, but they just didn't have the best rating in it. Um you know, when you have three ball, I on the floor, obviously gives you a lot of offensive variety, but you know, there's a lot of mouths to feed when you do that. And it's harder yeah. to, um, you know, you know, if you can really figure it out, like, yes, you know, offensively, that's really hard to stop, but you know, that, you know, you're going to have to sacrifice some spot up shooting. When you do something like that, you're going to have to sacrifice defense when you do something like that, you know, ob- particularly with the three guys that the Mavericks had, um, initiating the ball. So, You know, I'm not as keen to the actual three-ball-handler lineup, but, you know, having three different ball-handlers that can play in the game and, you know, certainly trying to keep two in the game at all times, you know, I think that that is certainly important for any NBA team. Um, So, you know, in summation, I, you know – Obviously, I think Frank or Josh could definitely play in those lineups if they were having a really, you know, hot game or whatever and you want to keep them in, you know, let them ride, sure, you know, because those guys are able to play as wings, and that's honestly probably where they're most comfortable playing. Um, But, you know, I don't think that it's going to be a situation where you had like three, you know, to an extent, primary creators on the floor at the same time. I don't think the Mavericks will be able to, um, are going to be able to put out any sort of lineup like that as of right now. And, you know, honestly, I don't really have an issue with that in particular because those lineups didn't really project well. But, you know, getting another ball handler and being able to play um, and, and being able to play that ball handler in tandem with another ball handler when either Luke or is on the bench, that is what this Mavericks team needs, in my opinion. Yeah, but I yeah, I mean I don't really have anything else for um from Jason Kidd unless you do.
0: No, I'm, i I think that's it.
1: Yeah, so uh, getting into Luca's Media Day session, you know, he kept it really basic, you know, general, happy, um, two word answer. Luca, uh, you know what we all expected at Media Day. Um, Luca talked about, you know, team success, you know, his Annual conversation about it being easier to score in uh the NBA versus Europe because of the the paint defense and the there being no three second rule in Europe, things of that nature. Um, I don't know if he answered any questions on his weight, which was surprising to me. I don't I don't remember I don't recall at least.
0: No, I don't I don't think um I know Jason Kidd was asked about like his physical shape, or someone was asked about his physical shape. And they were basically like, We're not all right. oh, okay, I guess another thing about the Jason Kidd thing is, um, he was gonna like slowly introduce Luca back, full speed. Um, oh yeah,
1: but that didn't seem like it was like any sort of elongated process. Yeah. I mean, it just seemed like he said Luca's you know, gonna go a little lighter on the first practice, but you know then it's full fledged in the training camp. So yeah, I didn't take much credence to that. But that was good to see that Luca's ankle is indeed healthy. Um, I don't believe we really have any. Um, update on the Frank injury or whatever that was, or no, he's going to be to start the season. But oh, those are the true. only two sort of pending injuries, I guess, going into Mavs training camp. And, you know, obviously Tim Hardaway Jr.'s stretch fracture from last year. But, I mean, he was nearing the ability to almost be able to return, you know, if the Mavericks had made it to the finals. Um Even if he may have not, he was at least health-wise, you know, almost to that level. So he seems like he's good to go 100%, which is great to hear. Um But, yeah um lucas media day
0: was obviously
1: iterated um i think he answered a little about Eurobasket and just that experience and you know obviously being disappointed coming up short but you know he kept it very simplistic basic you know i'd love to you know kind of what we all thought like you know being mvp would be really cool you know somebody asked him about the mvp betting odds you know being mvp would be really cool um but I care more about team success, uh. but that would still be really cool to see. And, you know, dream come true, all that sort of stuff. Um. But, you know, it, it was just a stereotypical, you know, Luca interview, even though it was media day, but I mean, did you really expect anything else?
0: No, I mean, honestly, no, like, honestly, like there's really not much of a segment to cover. Uh, no. it was just classic Luca.
1: Yeah. No. And, uh, it's a guy that we were happy to have as the, sphere head to this franchise hopefully my preface hopefully for years to come um, but yes uh, he's a he's a winner and uh yeah i mean you know silent killer so anyhow uh given you know luca's media session was pretty short which kind of we are expected let's go ahead and get into the ever media savvy spencer dinwiddie's interviews um, what did you take from Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Dinwiddie's Media Day, Jaron? And okay. um just the way that this guy is able to answer questions and appeal yeah. to, uh, to the media, the the Iron Man himself.
0: Uh okay, you know what's funny about that is they were given like words um to say, like to squeeze in the interview, and they all got him in. So um, they actually yeah, that maths.com or uh Dallas Mavericks, their Instagram page posted it. No, that's, uh, that's
1: why. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They, that's why uh, they said some random, like uh, I think Max, with Sour Patch Kids and uh, yeah, there are some weird ones, but yeah. Um, no, uh, you know, that was the first thing that stuck out to me. I didn't realize how well Spencer Dinwiddie was with the media. He answered every question like perfect. I mean, like I, I had to pause my workout for a second, take off my headphones, and look at. Well, I was like, "Damn! Like this guy, this guy can speak." Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, and we saw this he,
1: last year from him too. He's always been like this, but it's just no. Funny. I mean, he's yeah. We, he's you know, always, taking a hiatus from basketball, obviously. He's a, a very,
0: thing. he's a very uh smart guy. Uh, I know he was talking about. All right, there was a question I feel like that was asked about like his college or something. Yeah, That's well, favorite. I mean, he
1: he was choosing between Colorado and Harvard. Harvard, yeah,
0: yeah, Um, and you know, clearly shows uh, Colorado, but yeah, uh, I think one of the big questions for him was, uh, I guess, two: were like, how is he going to fit along Luca, or how is he going to fill in this role of Jalen Brunson, and is he still rehabbing, or is his knee still feeling? Is his knee feeling good? Any Uh, sort of load
1: management conversation? Yeah, any load,
0: any of that, like and he reiterated like uh, my knee feels a hundred percent. I haven't like, he, he's specifically said this. He was like, you know, whenever I was rehabbing, you know, sometimes I'd have to take a day off because my knee was so sore. so like, I can go a week straight and not feel anything. Um, I, That kind of stuck out to me. You know, I, I think the guy's completely healthy Yeah. Know, question about that. Uh, and then the, the question about, you know, is he going to fill in this quote unquote Jalen Brunson role? Uh, and he, just basically said, I'm gonna do what role uh, I did last year. You know, there, nothing's gonna change into, uh, of what's asked for me or of what's asked of me. Um, I'm gonna do what I'm what I did last year. Basically, that's what my defined role still is. Um, and I like that. You know, just in it,
1: a you know just in a starting position.
0: Yeah, just in a starting position. You know, he did it off the bench, and now he's starting. Of course, um, and it's it's gonna be the same old Spencer Dinwiddie. I think. I think we could have possibly the best season of Spencer. I hope, um, you know, it's a full off season, no rehabbing. Uh, it seems like he's getting a lot of five on five work uh, according to him. And I'm excited to see what he he has to bring table. Um, of course, I think tomorrow, or I guess today, if y'all are listening to, to this today, a training camp starts. Um, so we'll get some good footage out there. Um, but yeah, we'll be able to see some of these guys that like, I miss it. I miss basketball. I miss watching these guys. So
1: No, most definitely. And, um, you know, some other things from Spencer Dinwiddie's session. Um, I remember him answering a question about his three-point shooting. D- did he have such a drastic, you know, positive regression because he had just been practicing a shot more? But, you know, he attributed it to the uh, spacing more so that Luca allotted him in the offense, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I really hope that that continues this year because, you know, in his Maverick stint, Spencer – what he shot outrageously better from three than he ever had in his career um so that would you know will definitely help his case um <clears throat> you know maybe not shooting that good but maybe a career high from three in that 36 percent ish range that that sort of echelon that would be really intriguing to see i thought that that was a really cool dig um also just regarding the injury you know he this seems to be the sort of thing that happens with most guys coming off an ACL You know, sure, they'll be complete. They may be completely healthy after rehabbing their knee after nine, 10 months. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie, in his case, only eight months. But, you know, it doesn't seem like these guys really, you know, hone in and get back to their former selves if they do it all till that full healthy offseason that they get. And for Spencer, it seems like he's approaching that sort of status. And, you know, given he's, you know, in the thick of his, in the prime of his career. Uh, that's definitely exciting, of course. Um, so, yeah, besides that, I mean, you know, obviously, like you said, he talked about his fit with Luca and what have you, uh, which you've already kind of seen. So I don't really have too much more on him, but I was really, um, you know, intrigued as to how he answered questions and thought that was really cool. And he was honestly one of my favorite interviews of the day.
0: No, I agree. Uh, I think, like, that's the one that really got me engaged. Uh, you know, I mean, Lucas Luca. I kind of tuned up for that one just because it was same old Luca. Um, yeah, that one kind of got me reengaged.
1: No, definitely. And, you know, just to preface me and Jaron were at the gym working out um, and, you know, obviously watching these interviews at the gym. So it was a sort of weird setting, but we made it work. Um, so next getting into uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. What did you uh, take from his interviews? You know, I didn't, you know, barring him being, you know, you know, emphasizing that he is good and 100% healthy after coming off that stress fracture. You know, he's pumped and excited for the season. You know, I didn't really take, I guess, too much. You know, he talked about how he's excited for some of the new guys to come in, what have you. um, And how, you know, storily he missed um, being part of the team, but how much he did love being a part of the bench mob, which is kind of cool. But did you really take anything, you know, major from his interviews um, besides that?
0: honestly no, yeah one thing that stuck out to me is um, reitering or I guess going back to his time on the bench, he, he he talked about this and he was like, you know you see things on the bench that you don't see in a game or while you're on the court. Uh, he's like, you know you're next to the coaches the whole entire time, you're hearing what they have to say. Uh, you're next to the guys of course on the bench, you're hearing what they have to say and then you just have a different view of the game. Uh, you know you you can the game slows down whenever you're not having to run or I guess whenever you're not on the court um, and you get to see a lot of things at once. And so I think from a basketball IQ standpoint, uh, he kind of said, you know, he's like, I just feel like as a, I, I, I he didn't like quote unquote say this, but he's like um, just in terms of basketball, like he feels like he kind of got smarter uh, in that standpoint, like he learned a lot uh, being, on that bench especially during that playoff run you know getting to see all that stuff from basically a third person pov um so i I wonder if he's going to take any of that you know maybe he takes like a more of a veteran approach uh maybe more of a leadership approach i like i don't know um i'd be kind of intrigued to see that um but yeah i mean like really other than that like i don't really think anything major stuck out to me with that interview
1: yeah, no, most definitely. We'll be getting it. We still have to finish up a couple of player previews. Tim Hardaway Jr. being one of them. So we will get into more of like his fit and role on this Mavericks team, and you know how we project you know him to play this season um, during those. Um, but you know, just from his interview, yeah, I didn't really take much else um, as well. Um, so next up, uh, Dorian, what were you able to take from Dorian's interview? I had a couple digs that. I took from it. Uh I just want to hear, you know, specifically what you got out of it first off.
0: Uh well, first off, I didn't know that Dorian Finney Smith had a horse. So that I, I think that's real. Um no, it is. Yeah. I, I was like, I don't know how you find that out, but uh yeah, he has like a baby horse or something like that. Um named Peanut. Peanut. I didn't know it was Peanut. That's yeah. that's actually a cute name. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um no, yeah. Uh, Dorian, his, his big thing to me that stuck out was just kind of confidence, um, confidence and learning and adapting. That's that's really the, the three things that he kind of spoke highly of. Uh, you know, he's like, we learned a lot in that loss to the Warriors and the five in the Western Conference finals, you know, there's so much that a championship level roster can do, or I guess being, being in that stage can do. And uh, you know, of course now we've been in that stage. So I I just think that, you know, those guys and especially Dorian, he was kind of the first to really talk about it. Like they just learned so much in that run, um, how to adapt, how to, I guess, really know your role and night in and night out, hit your role. Um, You know, of course the Mavericks kind of fell apart in that series, but it, he he was big on confidence uh shooting you know early in his career, I think he shot like 30
1: percent from three.
0: yeah, it was less than 30 percent something like that um anyways he, he was his big thing was like you know you just have to be confident uh, and of course last year he shot over 40 percent um so I'm, I'm excited to see what he takes from that and you know how much leaps and bounds he can make uh and it it might not be like marginal but uh I'm excited to see what he can do on the court um like I'm interested to see what you think just because like that 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 was really the thing that kind of stuck out to me
1: yeah well like just going off that confidence thing he talked about specifically like having to handle the ball at times and how this coaching staff you know has instilled the confidence in him like they did last year at the end of the season you know, where he, he he referenced that he wasn't really maybe as comfortable with that. You know, he said he has the ability to do it, but, you know, he's not – at first he, he just didn't have the confidence. So, you know, he's, you know, saying at least that he's a little more uh, confident doing that now, which is always good to hear. I mean, you know, I'm not saying Dorian Finney-Smith is, you know, the third ball handler this team is looking for or anything of that nature. But, you know, him having confidence and being a little more assertive in those – um times where he may need to make a play, that's always helpful. So I thought that that was a really uh, cool quote. Um, besides that, um, there's one other thing regarding Dorian that I was going to say. Um, I mean, he obviously was working on his shooting, um, you know, per usual, you know, continuing to um, really hone in, be a marksman. Um, I thought it was really cool what I was um, actually just thinking about, you um, was that, um, you know, he talked a little bit about Luca giving him the shout out on the national stage, you know, how that was cool. Um, Dorian, you know, he takes a very like holistic approach to everything, which I find really cool from the perspective that like he's just all into everything and he puts his heart, soul, all his effort and energy into, you know, this Mavericks team. He's all into the, you know, little rivalry talk or riding off the Suns as a rivalry because they're not good, whatever you want to call it. And, and it's really just an essential cog to this Mavericks team and potentially even the uh, second-best player. So it was just really cool to see some of the answers he gave, you know, just seeing his passion. Um, something that you always see from Dorian in interviews. So I really enjoyed that much. Uh, do you have anything else to take from the uh, Dorian interviews, Jaren?
0: Uh Honestly, no. I think we uh, hit everything. So,
1: all right. Um, what did you think about uh, Reggie Bullock's session and his uh, commitment to staying away from red meat?
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I was, that was joking. Yeah, way. I know. I know. He I did know say that. Said, yeah. He actually did say that. And then I, I actually digged his hair. Um, there was some wacky hairstyles today. I guess yesterday, um, with Jimmy Butler and of course, Reggie Bullock. Um, that was kind of a really funny point. And then also, uh, how, um,
1: was it Reggie or was it
0: Dorian? No, I think it was Dorian. Um, the quote that he said where he was like, If I need to play that many minutes again to get to the NBA finals, I'll do it today. I'll do yeah, it. Yeah,
1: Dorian has some like very, you know, passionate quotes, which I did kind of want to elaborate off of that as well as like, you know, we don't want Reggie and Dorian to be ran into the ground. These are not guys that, you know, running them into the ground, you know, especially come postseason time is malproductive for the Mavericks because when they when these guys have dead legs, it doesn't do us any good when we don't have any other wing to throw out there, you know, hence the reason for, you know, a conversation regarding a Jay Crowder and trade discussions, things of that nature, you know, just praying and hoping that a Josh Green or Frank can develops, right? Yeah, But with that being said, you know, you know, from that perspective, you'd love to see the passion um, and the drive to, you know, be out there and contribute to the team. But, you know, I would certainly hope that they can find a way to reduce minutes for those guys during the regular season. Cause they didn't really talk about that much at all today, but I think that's paramount to the uh, how far the max can go in the playoffs. Cause you know, depending on how, you know, dead or not dead those guys are by that point in the season in terms of, their defensive ability. And in terms of how that segues into, you know, if they get enough lift on their shots come playoff time, because we saw in that warrior series, there were times, you know, they looked okay, but you could tell that they just the toll of the season just got up to them. So, you know, I get to an extent, it gets up to everybody at that point, but it's like, who's going to outlast who, and who has the depth to outlast two. So, you know, that's obviously more of a roster construction thing, but is, is there any way the Mavericks can, you know, find a way to, um, lessen some of the burden on those two guys would be really interesting to me. Um, but yeah, um, what, it, what else about Reggie's interview did you find intriguing?
0: Yeah, uh, one thing that he really kind of talked about a lot was uh, just always being ready. Um, I think that this kind of went into the ball handling. I think he got asked about that, I feel like. Uh, and one of his responses was just always being ready. Uh, you know, starting the year last year, he started out playing 10 to 20 minutes a game and as you know, all the way up into the Western Conference Finals, he was playing dang near, I, I think, like 45 minutes a game, um, something like that. Um, and, you know, it, it's like you you go from, you know, a 20-minute per player or 20-minute um, per game kind of player, and then all of a sudden your usage rate – not even usage rate, but just like how much you relied on just jumps up. Uh and I, I feel like just really from a role standpoint, I feel like these two guys, especially Dorian um and Reggie, I, I think that they're gonna be really kind of counted on to bring more than just you know standing in a corner and playing defense um and hitting that three. I think that they're gonna be kind of like relied on, you know, one of these guys at least is probably gonna be, I don't want to say the main ball ball handler by any means, but I think that these guys probably if Frank or Josh isn't on the floor, I think that these guys will bring up the ball, probably most aside from Luca and Spencer, of course. Um, you know, yeah, obviously
1: think, more so Dorian. Um, if that, yeah, I I think Dorian's pass that has to be initiated there. You know, I think Reggie is, you know, very very like kind of like strictly a spot up guy. But you know, um, Reggie does. I wouldn't say he has a diverse offensive game by any means, but you know, he has a few. Nooks and crannies that we've seen him pull off. You know, he's a really good cutter. I think that gets underrated a lot. Um, he also has a really good pump fake and shot within um, eighteen to twenty feet. Um, that you know, I've seen him utilize when on pump fake on a three. So he's you know a few things that he can do here and there. But you know, but you know, I'm sure that you know he can handle the ball. Um, you know, just from the from a perspective of you know necessity if need be, but. You know, I, I wouldn't, you know, be confident in his ability to initiate offense, obviously, whatsoever. But, you know, if need if need be, obviously, that's, I guess, what the Mavericks will have to do. But I, I don't really see any scenarios where he's going to – he specifically will have to be tasked with any of that. Even even Dorian, for that matter. But, you know, I could see Dorian having to maybe initiate a little bit of offense, especially in end of the shot clock scenarios, you know.
0: Yeah, no, I agree.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, obviously, from those two interviews, you know, really just – you know, we got to see the passion and the heart that these guys play with. And, you know, the commitment, Reggie talked about his diet a little bit, how that's, you know, reformed um, his body. He's feeling lighter and quicker, which, you know, that's really good for him. I'm really happy for him. Um, Just things of that nature. Uh, You know, just those interviews, in my opinion, didn't really tell us much aside from, you know, the fact that these guys mean a lot to this team and, you know, they're gonna work their ass off for this team, you know. Yeah, I mean, and they're, those they're, are the, they're ready to play. No, most definitely. Those that, that was the main theme from those interviews for me. Um, so going into the uh the two big dogs here, the uh the Mavericks um free agent and uh trade acquisitions and the uh, JaVale McGee and Christian Wood interviews to sort of um capitalize upon this podcast. Um, what did you take from JaVale McGee first off um in his interviews um at Media Day today?
0: Uh I mean I don't know. Um, you know, he was kind of just straightforward with his answers, didn't really give like too much clarification on anything. Uh I, I think that one thing that stick out stuck out to me was when asked about, you know, like him and Christian Wood, how like how would he like kind of be the veteran of this role? Like, how would he take Christian Wood almost under like his wing? Um, and basically he, he's responded, you know, like, of course, defensively, like, I want to get him better. Uh, I know that I can help with that, whether it's with just tips or, um, you know, uh, helping him physically doing some of these things. Um, but offensively, he said that his game is like refined and, like, he said it's, I think he said, like, it's amazing or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, just from that point, like, it, it just kind of seems like, you know, Javelle's definitely that rim rolling kind of block, uh, where you're going to stick them down low. And of course, and, and I mean, we know what JaVale is. Um, and then Christian Wood, you know, he's going to be kind of like that pick and pop kind of guy. Uh, he's going to stretch the floor on defense a little bit, give you those block shot blocks. Um, I, I'm interested to see how they play off of each other. Um, but really from JaVale McGee standpoint, like, I don't know. Um, this is his uh, second time being in Dallas, of course. And one thing that I thought was kind of funny is he he said he loved the weather here. And I'm sorry, I just highly doubt that's true. Uh, if you know anything about Texas weather, it is uh, hard to love. So, um, I don't know. Like, I- I'm glad JaVale's here. There was definitely a promise of starting, and I think that that was really, like, his main um, – buying point for coming into Dallas and he he really harped on that quite a bit.
1: No yeah that, that seemed like it was very evident just from sort of the uh answers that you know what 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 was a what was you know to be able to be implied from some of his answers it seemed pretty evident that you know he was promised starting and things of that nature so we'll you know obviously see how that revolves but you know also you know JaVale talked a little bit about how his first go around Dallas, you know, was hampered by his first real injury in his career, given that he has stretch fracture. Um, But, you know, he's excited to be back and bring his veteran leadership. You know, I can already like it. I already like his demeanor. You know, this is not a guy that. Yeah, I I
0: actually agree with that.
1: As wants to settle whatsoever, you know, even come with any sort of realistic expectations. I mean, JaVale was like, you know, I want to come in and I hope we go 82 and 0. You know, that's my goal, you know, albeit, you know, how impossible, whatever it is, like, that, that's the goal. I mean, this guy wants to win every game. And, you know, I really appreciate that. And um think that that's the mentality that he has to inflict upon. You know, obviously the Mavericks have a lot of veteran players for sure, but they don't really have anybody who's been to the finals for the most part, and JaVale brings that. And I think that that's something this team sorely needs, especially, you know, not just a veteran who has, you know, maybe – got that experience and played in the finals but a veteran who you know is still um is still like you know solid and um well equipped to give a team minutes um you know in tandem with being able to give these younger guys advice and you know what that stage is like so I think that that's really important for the Mavericks um so you know that's really all I took out of his reviews um you know just talking about his first go around in Dallas you know you know, sort of the implied reasons as to why he came here, but, you know, really enjoyed JaVale and it'll be fun getting to cover him this year. Needless to say. Yeah, I agree. Um, but we also, I forgot to mention, we uh, completely glanced over Max Maxie's interview. So I just wanted yes. to get into that really quickly before we do Christian Wood. Um, what did you have to take from Maxie's interview session? Um, you know, if anything major.
0: Uh, One thing, like, I guess uh, to me, that's, this is major. Um was just kind of like his, uh, attempt to detail this off season. Uh, it seemed like he kind of just perfected his game. Uh, he knows what he needed to get better. He knows what, uh, he was good at. And it seems like according to him, like he just, he just all around refined his game. Uh, and that to me is intriguing. Uh, he, I I don't know if it was an injury or he just needed rest, but I know that he opted out of playing in EuroBasket for Germany to work, uh, like work out in the off season in Dallas. I think it was in Dallas. Um,
1: yeah, no, he worked um
0: with with the team, I think.
1: Yeah, with Casey Smith and the uh you know had um athletic um training staff over with the Mavericks, obviously, and you know he seemed like he had a very a tentative process to. Just getting his body completely right from, you know, those playoff scars and, you know, that there's sort of late season stuff he was dealing with, um, and really took the opportunity to focus, you know, all in on this Mavericks team and missed Eurobasket, which is obviously a, you know, big thing for him. So, um, that was really cool to have seen that, you know, he took that sort of level of care, um, to his, um, to this Mavericks squad because, you know, it shows how much he loves the team. You know, Max, he's always been a passionate guy about the team. Really happy with his extension. Um, but, you know, they're obviously – these are guys that are – you know particularly these European guys are, you know, extremely passionate about their national team. And, you know, to see him, you know, take, you know, and make the decision to, uh, you know, sit out of Eurobasket and en route to, um, you know, obviously not just helping himself, but the Mavericks as well was – um, I think a great step for him. And it seems like it's working out well. Maxi looks like he's in great shape. He looks yeah, really good. Cool. Yeah,
0: I was I was gonna say I don't know if that's the lighting. Yeah. For the for the league's sake, I hope it's lighting. So
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I would concur. Um, but you know, also just you know, hammering off Maxi, you know, we didn't really talk too much about this um, in the interviews, I believe, but um, like we've said, just him stepping into, you know, maybe a slightly lesser role to where he is able to give his all in you know certain spurts which is i think always has been his best um you know utilization of him and the way he projects um you know he's not a guy that you want playing 35 to 40 minutes a game that's going to make him uh where we down the season faster and you know you'll see less games of him and it'll make his career wear down faster but you know max a guy that you know just not from the perspective that you know maybe he's doesn't have good stamina or anything like that but You know, he's um, not equipped to have to expel himself and guard, you know, these perimeter guys and overcompensate for, you know, some of the Mavericks' former defensive flaws in the front court. But given that he's going to be put into a role to not have to do that as much and, you know, play more complimentary to Christian Wood and JaVale McGee, I think is going to bode extremely well for his um, season with the Mavericks this year. And, you know, I think his – I think we'll see great like per thirty six minute numbers, for instance, and I think Max, you know, you'll see Maxi Kleber exemplified in this role this season with the Mavericks. That's, that's just my opinion. What? No, I, be.
0: like that—that that is exactly my opinion too. Um, I think I, I you'll think, get
1: the yeah, you know, or just real quick, you know, I think you'll get the tentative perimeter defense and spurts. You know, I think he'll be a more fresh. Let you know his legs will be fresher. He'll be able to in the perimeter when needed, but that's definitely not where you primarily want him. And it'll be a great help side, you know, weak side uh, shot blocker and post defender as well, as he's always been. And then, you know, having the legs to be able to be consistent. And, you know, even when he may be having a downtime from three, still be able to knock a couple down. I think that that's going to be paramount. And I think that he's going to be able to do that this year, given that he may not have – he's not going to have to be ran into the ground playing 35 minutes game.
0: Yeah, no, like literally everything you said is – uh I completely agree with.
1: No, yeah, um, yeah. That's really my only summation, though, of his interview. Uh, really liked, um, really like listening to Maxi. Of course, he's one of my favorite boys on the Mavericks, so that was really cool to hear. Um, so, lastly, we will get into the uh, honestly probably more, most short-lived interview of the day, but I guess the yeah. most important interview in the day, to uh, from a certain point of view. And Christian Wood, uh, Jaren, what were your main takeaways? From Christian Wood's interview here on Media Day?
0: Um offensively, I'm excited to see him and Luca work together. Uh he in that one interview he had during the summer league, and honestly, he kind of reiterated it today a little, or I keep saying today, um, yesterday. Uh it is he's just kind of excited. He's excited to play with Luca. Um, you know, Luca's of course a guy, especially for a guy like wood like he's going to make wood a million times better than he ever was in Houston or Detroit or anywhere um and not just that but you know Christian Wood uh you know when asked whether he'd be uh or when at or yeah I guess I guess really told that he'd be coming off the bench um of course we didn't like watch it uh we were listening so we kind of took it literal um but he said this is like the first that I've heard of it. Um and yeah, that clearly wasn't the first that he had heard of it. But anyway, yeah, like, you know,
1: if you go back at the video, you can see him like clearly laughing and things of that yeah. nature. Um, but you know, obviously mass Twitter was, you know, the chief of reactors, and you well, know, listen, listening to the audio, you know, being at the gym, I wasn't able to like visualize all that and see his mannerisms. So at first I thought that there was really credence to the fact that christian wood was um actually just finding out for the first time but you know obviously seeing the video yeah uh, i can clearly see that that was not the case so obviously i want to squash any of that sort of stuff and his whole like cryptic lol tweet on twitter i think that was more of a
0: i think he was just uh you know
1: not not poking fun at the media for thinking that he didn't yes. know that in the first place he was jiggling um, their balls it's yeah amazing. um but obviously the that we talked about the national media running away with this narrative and you know, acting like Christian Woods, angered and all that stuff, which clearly isn't the case, but he seems excited and pumped up to be there. And I'm really excited, excited to win. Yeah. Like, and
0: that, like, I don't think he yeah, really talked about that
1: a lot. Yeah. Elaborate upon that.
0: Um, Yeah. Like this is his first winning franchise or franchise that he's been on. That's uh, other than the eight games that he, or I think it was an eight game stint that he had with Houston um, that he'll like be a playoff contending team. Um you know, one thing that kind of stuck out about his role is he's like, I don't really care if I start. I don't really care if I'm off the bench. Like, um, you know, I'm going to show him what I can do. Uh, I I know I'm going to be playing in the last, like, I know I'm going to be playing in that last few minutes on the fourth quarter. Uh, I think finishing the game is better than starting the game. Uh, that's one thing that he definitely said and, uh, heart, heart about. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, for a guy that you know is 26 years old he's in his prime or maybe just entering his prime like and he's never been on a winning team like this is this is key for him and his development as a player uh yeah I mean like I'm excited uh I think I think we're gonna uh, like we're gonna see something new from Christian Wood I don't think we've seen um whether it's tenacity on the rim um I mean, I feel like yeah, we've
1: seen that throughout his career, but well, like but just the
0: next level, like no, oh, yeah. uh, I, I just, I just think we're gonna see like this sort of. I think he's just gonna. I, I don't even know how to say it, like,
1: um, like you know, amplify, like what he's already good at will be amplified within the Mavericks' offensive system. Is that what you're trying to get at?
0: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I, ju- I like. I could see this guy really quickly becoming a fan favorite. Like, that's that's one thing that I, I like, want to say.
1: No, most uh, definitely. And, obviously, the conversations, you know, and the uh, the work that he put in with Sean Sweeney this summer was really intriguing. Yeah. You know, he put in lots of, you know, defensive work with Sweeney, who seems to be this, like, defensive coordinator for the Mavericks in a sense that we've kind of revealed today in that interview. The last three months, he's been in Dallas, you know, basically since that trade, which was really relevant to hear. It shows he's been putting in the work. And he's trying to you know instill a mindset, um, of um, you know, competitiveness within the younger guys. From what it seems, and you know, particularly particularly Jaden Hardy, who, you know, they go back to um some, um, Las Vegas runs, and you know they both have ties there. So that was really cool, um, you know, seeing how Christian Wood you know projects on defense and stuff, um, there. So yeah, I mean, for the most part, you know, all the basketball quotes were. Um, really, you know, solid, in my opinion. I didn't really have any gripes with them. Um, You know, the one thing that did raise some eyebrows, if anything, for me, that wasn't even the whole um thing about him finding out about the six-man thing because um, that obviously wasn't the first time that he found out about that. But, um, you know, when he talked about the role starting or coming off the bench had, and when he said that, you know, you know, those little things, things that'll come up in, you know, extension talks and free agency talks. And, you know, obviously Christian Wood isn't expiring contracts. So seeing how that situation evolves, does he get to a place where, you know, he's outplaying his contract and the Mavs are kind of have their hand forced or, you know, they're stubborn to start him because they want to appease JaVale. That's going to be a really interesting situation to monitor, but, you know, I'm going to trust my faith in Jason Kidd and Nico Harrison to, you know, because they don't have any reason to disprove me in terms of their tenure with the Mavericks. Um, to, uh, you know, manage this situation properly. You know, if Christian Wood is, um, outplaying his role and, you know, needs to start, that's a, that's something I would expect to happen, and you know, to accommodate him accordingly. Cause this guy does have potential to be, you know, a fringe all-star level player, possibly even an all-star, you know, it's just what, how is his defensive game going to evolve and, you know, some questions of that nature. So we'll kind of see what happens, but I'm needless to say, I'm really excited. Um, for this upcoming season, his role with the Mavericks um, and to see, you know, if he can earn that starting spot, you know, and how his defense ends up uh, becoming, especially it seems like he's really been trying with his coaching staff. Um, But, you know, obviously keep a close eye on that situation. But as of right now, I am going to project the Mavericks to, you know, confidently manage that situation and do it in a way that um, is not abrasive to Christian Wood and, you know, makes him still feel wanted and, you know, wanting to stay obviously you know I'm projecting a little bit with you know thinking that Christian was going to have a good season but you know if he has a bad season then I have no issue with what the Mavericks do so <laughs> um, with him at that point but you know given he has a good season those that's where the alarms the alarm bells may go off a little bit um, in terms of the uh, whole situation with him coming off the bench and the contract talks but you know we'll, ha- we'll have to see how that evolves right now you know they didn't give up for much for him in the trade so that's always a positive but you know, barring that, I, I was um, really excited by his um, short little interview.
0: Yeah. Uh like you pretty much said everything. Like one thing, and I know you said this, uh, this like really, really got me excited was that three or two month period where he's just pretty much working with Sean Sweeney, it sounded like the whole entire offseason. Uh and specifically working on defense. Because that, that that was the one question mark about Christian Wood is defense and you know it still is,
1: and still is just a program.
0: no, I mean still is, yeah uh i didn't mean to sound like it's answered or anything um but it definitely sounds like he is putting in the work to and putting in the effort to uh improve dramatically on that side of the ball you know Uh, and and adjusting
1: to the the maverick system you know maybe having to guard some wings and some smaller guards you know particularly like in two big lineups so um adjusting to that as well you just he's predominantly always played five for the most part um barring some minutes with Shen Goon last year um, on defense. So, you know, that too. Uh, But, yeah, just seeing how his defensive game evolves, that's going to be essential for how he projects this year. Um, Did you have any other thoughts from media day, just from in terms of what we saw at the podium? Um, You know, obviously we'll get into some other stuff tomorrow after listening to some of these Lockdown Mavs interviews, things of that nature. But just from the guys who spoke at the the podium, including Jason Kidd, uh, general thoughts on media day, anything else?
0: Um, compared to other teams' media days, like the Charlotte Hornets, um, Phoenix Suns, the Brooklyn Nets, I, I think we had an A-plus media day. Oh, also, I wanted to say this. I, all props to Mark Cuban, man. Um, it seemed like he spent every dollar this offseason because that streaming was, um, <laughs> was pretty mid Uh it seems like I, I'm no I'm, no
1: hate to the boy Bobby Carolla, too. No, I know, I know. Like I'm throwing jokes here.
0: here. Uh I know yeah. it's not Mark Cuban, but I just had to throw No, it like yeah,
1: that. No, no. <laughs> no, yeah. The, the the streaming quality was rough, but Bobby did a good job in his reconciliation at <laughs> yeah, first.
0: It was either stream of that quality or no stream, and you know, yeah, this a, this
1: was the Twitch stream that is uh, yeah, yeah, for those of you who may have watched the rendition on mavs.com. Um, but anyhow. Barring that, um, I think we can both agree it was a uh, to-the-point media day. You know, obviously a couple things came out of it, but nothing crazy, you know, just brewing excitement for basketball to return. That's really all that this amplified for me in a sense, you know, barring a couple interesting quotes, you know, we'll see how those things kind of monitor going forward. But really excited. Training camp starts today, baby. Yes, sir. All right. Well, um, unless you got anything else, Jaron. Uh, That's going to wrap us up for today. We will be back either tomorrow or Wednesday, but we will see you guys, and we are excited um, and uh, pumped after this uh, Mavericks Media Day. So we will catch you guys in the next one.
0: Bye-bye.